Welcome back to another episode of the Tile Money Podcast. My name is Luke Miller, your host, and today I've got a great interview for you. I actually recorded this interview a few months ago back in June, and I've been itching to release it ever since. It got buried in some things, and and I had to put out some other content, but I'm super excited to be releasing this long-awaited podcast today. I have Justin Prue with me who recorded this And Justin tells his story, I won't tell it for him, but he's somebody who got addicted to drugs, wound up in prison, and really had a mess of his life. And so that's what today's podcast is all about. But really, how did he turn things around? Yes, he turned things around. And what did he do? And what is he devoting his life to? And how it impacts you, the tile contractor? Yes, it does. He's got a lot of employees and uh, what they're doing with New Freedom in Arizona is taking ex-prisoners and giving them a program to not only give them a trade, so they're teaching them tile, they're teaching them paint, they're teaching them whatever they're more attracted to, but they're also focused on who they are as a person and helping them develop qualities and learn qualities that will help them re-enter society. So check out this. Um, if this sounds like a good interview to you, I can tell you it's even better than you're thinking right now. All right. So once again, my name is Luke Miller, the host of this podcast. What we're doing and what we're hoping to accomplish with this podcast is bring daily content to you, the tile contractor, small business owner, to help strengthen the entire tile industry. The only way I know how, the only way that makes sense to me is to strengthen the weakest point, the small business owners who ultimately carry the industry on their backs installing tile every day. Let's check out this interview today. I know you're really going to like this. And once again, if you like what you see and you like what you hear, Justin's email and his phone number is in the show notes. So if you're watching this or listening to this, and especially if you're in Arizona and you're like, I need people, I need people. They are, they are taking men and women, they're t- taking them through their 90-day program, and their success rates, as you will hear in this interview, are much higher than traditional success rates that have tried these things. Why? Well, I'll let you make up your own mind on this But once again, this is a very insightful um, interview, and I know you're going to find value in this. There's a lot of lessons, even if you're not in this situation. I mean, Justin has tile background, some tile background, as well as business ownership background and community building background, of course, now. So there's a lot of value for you business owners, even if you're not in Arizona or even if you've never been in prison, even if you don't, you know, really... um, think you identify with some of the things being said, you might find a lot of value in it. Check it out, Tile Friends. Enjoy. Yes. So my background is uh, I started in the flooring business back in about probably the mid-90s. I came out of a a life of gangs as a young kid, um, robbing drug dealers, grew up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, was shot. I uh, had robbed some drug dealers. They came to the house to try to kill me and my brother. He was younger. He was around 13. He stabbed one of them, went to jail for attempted murder. Wow. They sent me down to Arizona um, to live with my mom. I was, uh, I think, 15 years old. And uh, my stepdad was a carpet guy. So he put me to work for a little bit. Um, I was still involved in drugs and all that stuff. And, uh, so that didn't work out. I went to work for my uncle who was involved with a dirty dozen different kind of biker clubs, but he was also a carpet installer. Um, he started to pay me in meth. So 
obviously my life went down pretty fast from there. Um, but as I kind of got things back together again, I got a job doing tile as a young kid again. And I kind of just stayed in the flooring business. My stepdad had a flooring business. My uncle had a, you know, I mean a shady flooring business, but uh, kind of the same thing. Um, grew up and started a couple tile companies, uh, trying to, you know, get my life together on and off and, uh, ended up going to prison for a length of time, got out of prison and tried to get it together again and, uh, started a fairly large tile company, but I couldn't get licensed, uh, because of my felonies. So I worked under another man's license. We did large, uh, large commercial jobs, hotels and stuff like that. Made a lot of money, started to make so much money that, uh, I ended up in the J John getting high again and, uh, everything kind of fell apart, went back to prison. And, uh, this last time in prison, I spent a a little over 10 years in prison total. So this last time kind of got, uh, I woke up in there, uh, probably about my first two years in there, you know, I had a, a huge experience and encounter with God, if you will. And it was a life changing experience for me. So fast forward, I get out of prison and my brother has a tile company. So we partner up and I work with him. And, uh, as we're doing this, I also have a couple buddies, uh, state legislator and uh, is a friend of mine from our church. And then, uh, a couple guys that I would invite to church from there, get out of prison, I'd invite them there. And uh, we started this kind of group. We called it the prison coalition. Um, well, we didn't really start it. It was some guys we met, they had started it. And they were a couple of guys that had spent a lot of time in prison. And then a couple of guys that just wanted to help. So it was kind of a small scale thing. I did tile and we would go down there and have meetings once in a while. And we would, you know, put some money in a hat to help a guy who's getting out, get him a place to stay, some clothes and uh, different things like that. Um, and what happened was we started to hire guys getting out and what we, what we found was for one, they were very loyal. Uh, we hired friends and you know, to, you know how you do it when you just don't have any labor, you hire anybody you can to get a big job done. So we would get yeah. friends and, uh, bring them to work for us. And as soon as something better came along, they were gone. So it really didn't it matter what you invested in them. Uh, there was no loyalty and, and they were friends and family. So a couple of these guys we, we hired out of prison, uh, they had, better offers come by more money, uh, different things like that. And they stayed. So it kind of opened my eyes to, you know, for one, the reason why I asked one guy, he had an offer, uh, for uh, $22 an hour. We started him at 18. He was a helper, um, which I thought was good. I mean, compared yeah. to what I made when I was a helper. Sure. Um, but he said, uh, when I came to work here, I asked him, I said, so, uh, how's it going over there? You know, since I left and he said, well, I got this offer to go work here for, you know, this much money. And, and I was like, so what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay and work for your brother. And I said, why is that? And he said, uh, because you guys gave me a chance, you know, you guys gave me the first chance. So I'm just going to stay here and, and you guys help me and, and I'm going to be loyal. My brother got him a company truck and he stayed with my brother and, you know, and, and did really good. Um, so that kind of opened my mind to this, uh, well, this is going on and our company's growing and, you know, we're, we're working in the commercial and, and the residential and trying to get it figured out labor wise is just really hard. Uh, the other group, the prison coalition, they're over here starting this thing called new freedom. So they ran into some investors, which were, uh, they're in the, basically the construction industry, Matt Waltz construction is one of them, a big construction guy and, uh, some other guys in, involved in some different things, but, uh, they tried to get this little church zone to do this on a 12 man scale where they, you know, put everything together and that fell through. So, uh, they ended up buying a hotel. The investors came along and said, let's do it on a large scale. We'll put seven of these in Arizona and 60 of these across the nation. Um, if this, you know, if this model works, 
So they had been up and running for about a year. They have roughly 260 members at that time. And uh, I just asked them, I said, hey, can I come there and teach a tile class? I mean, uh, we need labor and you guys have all these guys getting out of prison. There's nobody that wants to come work and do this trade anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, I got out of prison and was able to buy a home and, you know, nice vehicles and, and family restored marriage and everything going good after spending a significant amount of time in there. And I had other guys that I knew that were in the AC industry or a drywall, you know, trade or different things like that. And they got out and owned homes and were doing really good. Um, so that was kind of my, my pitch. I said, Hey, you know, um, I felt for one led to do this, uh, and, for two, I just, I, I said, Hey, you know, it sounds a little crazy and this is a behavioral health place and you guys are doing this, but what does it sound like? And they, they said, this sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, although we don't really know how it would work. So, uh, I leave there, you know, wondering how that's going to go. And he calls me right back. There was another guy that was coming through town, going to a, a community college, pitching a trade school. And he happened to be the meeting with the CEO right after I left and they called me back. And so we all sat down and had a meeting and they're like, well, maybe this is something we really want to look into. Um, so I was thinking I'm going to come here and just start a little tile class. And, uh, they said, why don't you just come here and start a whole trade school kind of vocational thing. And, uh, so we didn't know what that looked like, you know, right. uh, I've never done that obviously. So I what said, year was uh, this, what year this, was, this was, uh, December 22nd of 2021 was my first day here. So wow. very so recently, you're not yeah. even, you're coming up on your one year anniversary. Yes, sir. Yeah. Nice. So I've been here six months right now. And, and right now we have, uh, we're, it's amazing how it's working. It's just, it's amazing. You know, we're putting so many guys to work right now and we have, you know, we have roofing, we have tile, we have culinary, we have peer support certification, we have painting. We're starting a welding class, a CDL class and, uh, and uh masonry class and maybe a, a steel stud framing class as well, drywall. Nice. So everything we're doing the community needs the employees. So they're coming here and they're seeing, so this is just kind of give you an idea. We had a company, um, they're, they're pretty known out here, Pete King construction. And, uh, they did, uh, they did like a class at a second chance facility, which was ran by the state. Um, and he ran it for eight months and he had, after eight months of running this class, he had three guys. I think he said that came to work for him. Not one of them lasted longer than two weeks. So something was missing there. Um, and we've ran a class here for now we're coming up. We started in February. So we ran three of them. We've had 67 graduates from the class in just the painting industry. And 50 of them are out there right now thriving. Some of them are still here in the program, haven't completed the program yet, but have completed the painting elective. Um, and then they go on to the advanced class, which is mostly commercial painting outside in the building. They practice right here on on site. Um, we do mock-ups for tile is a little different, but what we found with that is these, uh, we, we did something different where normally you would do the hands-on and it's kind of what we wanted to do, but, uh, new freedom said, we need to do this a little different than what everybody else does. So what we want to do is change this a little bit. We want to put something in there that has to do with, uh, keeping them employable. You know, what does that look like? So we brainstormed a little bit and we got together a group of guys that were business owners, had, spend time in prison and we're superintendents or above and we're successful, uh, in the trades mm-hmm. and got everybody together. And then we said, you know, I picked everybody's brain. So to the business owner, what are you looking for? Um, in an employee, what makes them valuable to you? 
and you know just what's your advice on this what do you see fails these guys or all that stuff and then to the guys that have been to prison and are successful what have you done what's your day-to-day why are you different than you know joe and schmo over here that have gotten out of prison and they took a class in there and they have all the skills to be successful out here but they lasted two weeks and then you know got high as soon as they got a paycheck uh, what makes you different? And so as we got all that together, we wrote a curriculum, um, which is another interesting thing because I've never written curriculum before. None of us had. But uh, it was just real life, real guys involved in something that's real. And uh, and that's, I think, one of the key components to what we have now. So we teach that on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night, uh, not by New Freedom, though. It's business owners coming here, contractors coming here, and uh, they stick to the same curriculum. Usually it's the same business owner that teaches it, but he brings different guys in to speak and stuff and uh and that's four hours a week and it's intense because they're in classes all day so it's kind of designed like if you come here you're going to be in a class uh you're going to go work out early in the morning we get you up early working out you're going to eat eat really good um but then we're going to put you in class all day and it's going to be you know trauma stuff and it's going to be dealing with your emotions and dealing with all these different things that you you've never really wanted to deal with and then if you want to take the electives, which is the vocational side, which is my department, then you're going to come on the weekends and you're going to come on the nights. So me, like I relate it to that single mom that, you know, she's raising kids and she wants a better life. So she goes to college on nights and the weekends. Um, you're not stopping her. You know what I mean? You're just, you're not going to stop that lady because she's invested so much into what she's doing. Right. So that's these guys. They're voluntarily here. They can go out with their family on the weekends. Um, they can go sit back in their room at night and watch TV. We're in a very nice hotel. Uh, it was the old Four Point Sheraton, so it's definitely a four-star hotel at least. Um, you know, queen-size beds, two to a room, nice TVs. They, they could go sit in their room. We have a pool out back. They could go sit at the pool. There's men and women here, so it's like a resort. So they have these options after getting out of prison for a long length of time, and they decide to go in better themselves and work in one of these trade classes and learn a career. So we really want to offer careers as well, you know? Um, yeah. So, so how many, how many people do you house there at that Sheraton? Right now we have 360. We fluctuate right between 360 and 380. Um, and we are, uh, we're co-ed here. So what we're trying to do is we have an offer in on a hotel that just sits up on the backside of our property and we want to get that and then move all the women over there and, uh, and separate it. And then we'll be able to put a little over 400 men here. So that doesn't scratch the need, uh, the surface of the need. Um, we're not touching anywhere near what we need to be when it comes to how many people are in prison. Just to give you an example, the United States is 5% of the world's population, yet we imprison 25% of the world's population. So, you know, on that, it's just obviously something's wrong. It's broken. So there's so many people in prison for one, not to say that, Hey, if you do something wrong, good, go to prison. I get it. I understand, you know, but, uh, but some guys it's not, it's a little more than that. You know, it's, it's a little more than that. They didn't have a chance when they started growing up and that's all they knew. And if we show them a better way, of course they want a better way. You know what I mean? So, but to answer your question, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point about how people get caught in the, you know, the prison system or the lifestyle, really. I mean, you're sitting here, you know, I'm standing here listening to you tell me all this, Justin, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, how is this, you know, I'm, I, I feel like I should be listening to an 80 year old man with you, with all of your life stories. I mean, you went from, you know, Wisconsin, boom, 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 and gangs and trouble and prison. And now you're doing this and, you know, you started, you know, business and 
successful with tile and your brother and all this crazy stuff. I mean, you can't be much over 35 years old looking at you anyways, uh, you know. 45 actually, but 45. Thank all you. Right, yeah, all right. that's probably the 10 years in prison. I don't think you age very much in there. You know what I mean? Is so, that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I sat in a cell for a lot of the time. So we, you know, we didn't get out much. So, you know, I think, you know, son, no, I don't know. You know, I'm just, yeah. but yeah, anyway. But it's, it's so good. I mean, now how, how, how many years or, or what length of time has new freedom been established? So new freedom. So we're a, a two part component. We are a nonprofit, which is Gold Canyon Heart and Home. And then we are a for profit, which is new freedom. Our nonprofit has been around for about 15 years. And that was started by a lifer who was never going to get out of prison. Um, and what he and some of his lifer buddies started to notice was uh, all these guys coming in and out, you know, and they'd see him as a young kid come in and then they'd see him leave and come back a year later. And they said, uh, they got together and they said, we have to do something about this. Um, and they ran a little, uh, program in there. So, and this is what really sets our, our, uh, our facility and our way of things, uh, so much apart from everybody else is we're a peer ran organization. So me, 85% of our staff, we have 260 roughly give or take, you know, I mean, five or 10 staff members here at new freedom and about 85% of them are, um, have lived life experience, which means they've been to prison and have gotten out and are successful in life for some length of time, um, or have been involved in drugs, uh, something along the lines, but they have a lived life experience. Uh, so anyway, just to back up a little bit and explain how that started, they're in prison. They see these guys coming back and forth and, uh, the CDC needs to get in there because there's also disease going on. We have hepatitis C running rampant. You have HIV. Now this is back in the nineties, um, early two thousands actually. And you have MRSA staph infection, different things And the prison population is they're so, uh, segregated from the staff and administration, the security that there's just this wall built. So it doesn't matter what, um, the state or the, you know, the, the man, if you will, says to them, you know, they're like, screw you. I'm not listening to you. Um, so what happened was they had to figure out a way to, to speak to them and, and get the door open because they're killing themselves. Right. So they got with these guys and they started a thing, which they called basically a peer to peer, um, almost like a Trojan horse. They gave those guys the information, um, how to kind of help with the hepatitis, how this is spreading. They went back on the yard and shared it with, with their peers and it worked. And, uh, so something they had been trying to do for years and they couldn't get any traction at all. All of a sudden now they have traction and this is working great. So they took that and adapted it a little bit bigger, started go Canyon heart and home and started a peer mentorship program on the yard. So the same thing, which DOC, um, and different institutions couldn't really do is they didn't have access to these guys, you know, so they may know, Hey, even if they want to help, you know, these guys are like, you know, I'm not, I don't want anything from you. You're the enemy. And, and this is, a you know, this is, a uh, it's just been like this for, for forever. And there's no way we're breaking through these barriers right here, you know? So, um, that broke through and it yeah. started to be successful in there and they started the nonprofit and this guy ended up, uh, he was never going to get out. He ended up getting his case brought back, uh, to court and he thought he was going to go home. I think he was around 13 years in on the life sentence at that point. Um, all family and he's a great guy too. So, uh, all his families there, the community, they all wanted to be a part of this. And, uh, 
his lawyer came in there and told him, look, you did get it overturned, but you're, you have a life sentence with the eligibility of parole after 20 years. So he's still going to be in there for at least seven years. So he said, okay, you know, uh, he put his hands together and, and just said, listen, I believe this is a gift from you and I'm going to use it to uh, spend the rest of my time in here mentoring these guys and building this peer to peer uh, program in here. And, and that's what I'll, I'll, I'll devote my life to. So he was the main guy with another guy, Joe McDonald, this Joe Chappetta and Joe McDonald that were the, uh, the prison coalition I was talking to you about. So they got out, started that. And then now to answer your question, um, in 2021 COVID hit hotels were cheap. So everybody else is kind of going down Well, they came on and got the hotel at a, at a very low price. Another kind of cool part of the story is Joe McDonald's wife, Joe McDonald is the CEO, his wife, Denise, she was just uh, adamant about writing people in prison. She just wanted to share love with them and hope. And uh, she'd never been to prison herself, but she had had a, a life of addiction and, and a real tough upbringing. Um, and so they couldn't stop her from writing these letters. You know, I met her and she came to me and my wife and she said, look, I have, you know, hundreds of people that I want to write. Can you guys bring some to your church and help write them? And uh, absolutely. We said, and, and she was real, uh, almost like a mother hen. You know what I mean? Like, but what are you going to say to them? And, you know, <laughs> make sure these people are good and they, you know, all these different things. And yeah. uh, so it was cool anyway. But what happened was COVID hit nobody had an inroad to the prisons anymore. You couldn't, all these mentorship programs, I don't know if you want to call them mentorship programs, whatever you want to call them, all these different programs they had that really didn't work anyway. Um, the door got slammed in their face. The only access road was a handwritten letter because the mail still went. So boom, we have this facility that can house 400 men and women. We open it up and then, uh, at the bottom. So I'll just kind of give you this, uh, kind of synopsis of how, you know, this whole system works really on the, ground level out here is prison is a corporation. Obviously, you know, you have private prisons and different things like that. So if you have a corporation, um, you have to have a, you know, you have to keep it funded, right? You have to keep the money coming in. So you have to have a sales force, um, if you will. And, and what is the sales force? It's, it's brokering people really, you know, you have to have people coming in there. So if everybody gets rehabilitated, nobody comes back, your business fails. Uh, it's a, it's a terrible business model. So I, I'm not saying on every level that everybody involved in the prison is like this. Cause a lot of them are, you know, we met the governor out here, Doug Ducey, and he has got a great heart to change and actually change the name of the prison here and, and their whole operating system to, uh, the Department of Corrections, reentry and rehabilitation. You know, there's a lot of guys and girls in, uh, in the, in just the state here in the Senate and in the house of representatives that really want to help. And just a lot of people didn't know how it'd been just so dug in deep, but anyway, so you get out, you go to a halfway house, um, and they call, they have some halfway houses, they call them, uh, I won't share the name, but anyway, it's a halfway house. It gets approved by this certain board and, uh, and they say, Hey, if, if you're approved by this board, now prisoners can come stay at your halfway house. The only problem is these halfway houses, the board that approves them, it's really money, 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 money. Yeah. Um, so you'll go there and you'll have, uh, you know, a house just jam packed full of people, three, four people to a room. There's no vetting process. People are in there, uh, high on heroin, high on meth, um, fentanyl now overdosing in the room next door, you know, needles laying outside, uh, all kinds of drug paraphernalia and a guy gets there and this is kind of the deal. So you, you come here, we're going to give you your first week for free, but you do, it's not free. You owe us at the end of the week. As soon as you get a job, now you have to get a job 
um, get your job right away and, and get this paid. Um, if you leave here and go somewhere else, you are going to violate your probation or your parole. Um, and you'll go back to prison. So here's what happens. You got out, you have $150, you need to get a driver's license and a social security card to get a job because you know, you're, when you go to prison, your life's in chaos. You, very rarely do you have those things. So that's the start. You can't get that in a week. So how do you get a job in a week? So here comes a week up. Now you'll, you know, 250 or whatever it may be, 325, whatever they charge you there, 150 a week, 250 divot changes. But now you owe that. Now they're telling you, look, you're two weeks behind on your rent here. So what are you going to do? You have to get a job. You're going to get kicked out. Now, if you get kicked out, you're going to go back to prison. Well, now you got, you know, the drug dealer over here and in uh, the next bedroom, he's over there, you know, in and out, and he's doing good, paying his rents paid up for a month. And he says, hey, listen, you know, let me just give you a bag of this, and you go sell it. I know you want to do good and, and have your family back in your life, but it's simple. Just don't do the drugs. Just sell them, get the money, and work on getting your license and all that stuff. Sounds great. It just doesn't work that way. So now you're hanging out with people doing drugs. You're selling drugs, and the next thing you know, you're doing drugs. Now you're going back to prison anyway. So it's real uh, catch-22. You know, wow. you're you're really going to – and if you see this, it will unravel your mind the way you look at things. You're just, it'll blow you away. So what happened was we had this facility. We had everybody lined up to come here, um, but we're not a halfway house. We're a behavioral health facility. We're really an outpatient facility with supportive housing. So we have, you know, I mean, we're two buildings, really. Um, one side is our outpatient, our therapy, and the other side is supportive housing with uh, different things. Um so they said, you guys, they can't go there. They cannot come to this facility because you're not approved by this, by this place um, that says that they approve halfway houses. So we had a big problem. We were busting people back and forth. Now, these are men um, and women that have spent a significant amount of time in prison, have you know been involved in who knows what most of their life, but they're crying like little babies because they have to go back to these halfway houses. They, they've been mentored by us in there. And now we mentor them for nine months plus in there. So they're working with us. You know what I mean? We're, we're working on the root. You know what I mean? And we're not worried about the fruit at that time. We just want to get to the root and that's what we're doing. So they're getting out with an expectation that things are going to be different this time. And now they're going back here. Things are not different. Um, so that was a real problem. And we got with, uh, uh, a buddy of mine who was a state legislator here at the time, Anthony Kern, and he got on the got on the horn and got a hold of the director, and we had the assistant director come down here and just showed him what we're doing, and he said, okay, this is amazing, and he toured some of those halfway houses, so he kind of opened it up from the top down. The place just opened up, and we filled it up. Uh, you know, we filled it right up right at that point in time, and then we've been fully operational ever since. So in basically starting, you know, in one year, this thing filled up, you know, max capacity. And we're, wow. we have, we mentor right now, um, right around 4,500. Uh, we may be at 5,200 right now, actually, because it, it, it grows so fast. Now that they're seeing, you know, the opportunities these guys are getting out here, um, they're really excited. Wow. Wow. That's incredible, man. Is it, I, I love what you just said. Not, we're not worried about the fruit. We got to worry about the root first. Um, it's so true. So true. I mean, that's a valuable lesson for, you know, uh, all business owners really, you know, pay attention to that because if, if, if we're expecting our employees or even our business to take off, you know, and, and provide us instantly, you know, nothing's instant and there's no easy button, right? But you got to think about the, the root, you know, what, what's the basis and make sure the base is strong, 
You know, it's like I said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, the only way to strengthen this industry, and it's my firm belief, the only way to strengthen the tile industry is to strengthen the the smallest tile installer contractor out there. And it's the same principle for this. It would be the same principle for, you know, uh, strengthening and mentoring employees um, in your company. Um, what a What a great little saying there. And I like what you said earlier about, you know, you, you referred to it as the Trojan horse um, with the peer-to-peer mentoring. It reminded me of something that Adam Mills, uh, one of the Tile Nation mentors, is doing within his company. He's got, you know, 25 or 30 employees, I believe, and he really empowers even young people to take the lead in the company and, and empowers the ones that he identifies and the ones that want to move up in the company and, and be more of a leader. He doesn't let age stop it. If they have the ability to teach and the desire to move up into a foreman type leadership role, he lets them grow into that um, rather quickly and empowers them to mentor their peers. And what's happening is he's able to expand his company based on this, this model, this Trojan horse peer to peer mentoring model, because, um, it's like, you know, somebody that oftentimes the, the person teaching, you know, if they're so far removed from the, the student, the student, like you said, is going to ignore them. They're going to be like, what do we have in common? Why you're not, you don't know how to speak my language. You don't know who I am, even if they do, you know, but they're older or whatever, or it's just that mental block there for that student. So I like that, um, that piece of advice for, for all business owners who have employees is, don't be afraid to let these guys, you know, the ones, the guys and girls in your company grow into leadership roles and really empower them to start mentoring their peers because they're going to do a better job often than you can just because of the simple fact that they're speaking the same language, right? And they, they see eye to eye. <clears throat> yeah. So that's huge. That is uh, what we're really starting to see here is this peer um, peer to peer is it, it is it's invaluable in every relationship we have here. So even in our CEO and our president to speak to other, you know, CEOs and presidents. So if I come in, um, I'm not really a peer to them. Uh, I am in the construction industry. So I'm a peer, I'm a peer, uh, in the prison industry cause I've been there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just coming up in this kind of, you know, I haven't been in, you know, this executive kind of stuff is I'm a director here now. So I'm in these meetings with these guys and, and billionaires and owners of companies and different things where, uh, I keep my mouth shut and I listen all the time. You know, I say very little in those meetings sure. cause I want to learn. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, I see if I have a, I need a need from one of them. What I do is I hit up our president or our CEO or someone who, uh, you know, is a peer. And I say, can you get me a connection over there? And they'll boom, line it up. And then next thing you know, I'm in where I could sit there for days trying to, you know, I mean, knock on the door and I get nothing. So it works on every level is what we're seeing. And I think uh, when you said that about, letting these guys come up on the bottom. So when I started to come up in the industry, it was, uh, you know, get kicked in the butt, go out there and get that mix that, you know, and mescla wedo and all these different things nonstop. And, uh, you weren't going to set a piece of tile. I didn't set any tile on my own until, you know, it had been quite a long time. And finally I just said, look, I'm going to go start my own thing. Cause you know, I've tiled everybody's house that I know, you know I mean? For free because they wouldn't let me there. And, uh, And that's the same thing that, you know, we, that just continues down in that mindset. It doesn't work. So now we have an industry that is, is lacking any, nobody wants to get into it. These kids nowadays, 
we hire these kids. I mean, we brought our nephew to work for us and, and uh, we made him carry a toilet upstairs and, you know, before the day, and it's a new toilet in a box. And before the day was over, he said, this working thing's not for me. He went and sat down outside and stayed on his phone for the rest of the day. Told his brother when we got home, his little brother, and this is age I would be working hard. You know I mean? I'm tax stripping houses by myself already at that age. And uh, he told his little brother, um, they, they made me carry a toilet upstairs. So his little brother says, you know, to, to my brother when he gets home, is it true you made him carry a toilet upstairs? And uh, he's like, I would never work for you. So it was just kind of like, this is really strange. You know, it's a, such a small thing to you, to me to think, you know I mean? I'd be carrying a dirty toilet upstairs and, <laughs> right. you know, and they never yeah. cared about that. Right. So, yeah. um, that doesn't work anymore, you know? And so what happens is these guys coming out of high school, the education, like you said, for one, they're far removed from us. Uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're to, to go to a school for such a length of time to learn a trade. You know, that's why we don't really have a lot of tile schools, I'm sure. And, and a lot of painting schools. Cause you know, it's just, it, you learn it on, on the job site by your dad or, you know, mm-hmm. generation or whatever it may be. But, uh, that doesn't work anymore. You know, it, it really doesn't because you, we need to get people in here and we need to open up the doors and allow people to like that guy's doing, uh, I forget the name you said, but, we're seeing this right now too. And what I'm hearing back from these companies is they hire these guys that they will only hire new freedom members that have graduated through our program and through one of these, one of these, uh, electives, we call them electives. Like it could be the painting or the tile. They will only hire through here now because what they're getting is these men and women are showing up to work a half hour early. You know, they're up there setting things up. They're hungry. Uh, they are staying late when he puts out a thing for overtime. These guys are, you know, it's filled up with new freedom members or graduates they fill it up right away. Um, so these guys are now, they're coming on and what's happening is his regular employee team. So say just for instance, one guy, PHP painting 50 guys working for him. He hired five guys a month from here. Um, he hired 10 actually this month, but these guys are getting out and they're working hard. And, uh, now they're running their own crews, which this is unheard of. You would come in the paint. I love that. Um, and that's, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen me in the Facebook group and other Facebook groups, go hire a business coach, go hire right. someone like Tom, Brad, Eric, um, Brian diamond, all Tile of these Nation, folks. Tile nation mastermind. Tile nation mastermind. Yes. That's a new one. It's brand that's new. A new yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love that you're doing that. Yeah. That's um, yeah, if you don't, cause like we're good tradesmen, but we suck at running businesses yeah. unless you find someone who is good at it to teach it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't, and I, I, you know, and honestly, like if you're listening to this, I mean, I just plug in tile nation mastermind, but honestly, whoever you feel more comfortable with and connect with and whoever you feel is going to move that needle for you is, is the right fit. So you should look around and know your options. So I'll, I'll put links to some of those, um, people in, you know, in there. And I, you know, I love collaborating with Brad and Tom and as many coaches as I can, and other podcasters, because it's, it's not one for all. It's, you know, it's, it's all of us in this together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's got a little bit of a different style too. Brad right. is super direct, no nonsense, like a little dry sense of humor, but yeah. he's just straight to the point. Yeah. Um, you know, Brian is a bit more friendly and, um, and kind of homies and a couple other guys. Tom, Tom is like, beat you over the head with your information until you get it. And I Sometimes love that. That's dude. what we need. Yeah. 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 I love that dude's content dude. He's just no nonsense. He's just going to berate you until you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, I think the coaching was the best thing we ever did for the company. 
And now we're through the improved sales process um, because you can't just go up and demand $340,000 to remodel someone's house mm. if you don't um, kind of provide value before you make that ask. And like, yeah, you can be a likable person, but that doesn't matter if that value building doesn't start from the first touch. First time they Google you, the first time they see your brand, the first time they see your website um, or your Yelp page or whatever, wherever the first time they see you is, the value has to start producing. And that's in, you know, that's in the branding, that's in the marketing, that's in the way your crew dresses and acts and, you know, excuse me, on our job sites, we stick laminated signs to the front door of the house. And it's like, like rules for subcontractors and like, really, yeah, I don't care. Mm. Like, but it's good optics. It looks great. Like right. we have HEPA filters on our jobs. I don't care if the electrician changes the HEPA filter, it's, but it says to because people see that. Yeah. And we put yard signs in front of their houses and our trucks are new and clean. Um, and we show up with big trailers full of, professional tools it's not like we're rolling with rigid and and it's it's all comes down to optics when you start building value right yeah so a lot of optics a lot of you know putting the content out there putting the education first is what i really believe Um, now what about when they do call you can you give us any tips on the sales process and any 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 questions you're asking them or any specific things you're looking for um anything you're trying to say to provide them the value or assure them that you're the right fit and going to be able to deliver without sounding too salesy or too, you know, look at us. And, you know, like with tile, a lot of the tilers will talk about, you know, they'll whip out the TCNA book. Well, a lot of people don't care about, you know, really, they just want to be assured and convinced that you're going to, you know, they don't want to get into really the, the math equations and all that. They just want to really kind of, understand that you're a pro what what have you found to do that when people call you they already trust that you do what you say you're gonna do mm-hmm. if you say that you're a professional tile setter and someone is calling you to have tile set the trust relationship is established as a okay. baseline because they've called you and that's the way clients operate. If I call a doctor, I assume that they're just a doctor. Like you go to a mechanic shop, you assume that they're mechanics. You just trust that they do what they're going to do. And sometimes it goes poorly. As we've all seen garbage work. Your car comes out terribly, botched surgeries, whatever. But the trust is there as a baseline. So from there, we're working on. The, so if you understand that the trust is already there, mm-hmm. then you don't need to sell yourself. Okay. Because you know, hi, I'm Travis. I'm a remodeler. Okay, cool. You can remodel my house. Um, from there, and same for every other Tom, Dick, and Harry that they're going to call. Um, from there, you need to work on building value for yourself, your company, and your rapport. And it doesn't have a damn thing to do with your skills. Mm. Not a thing. Nobody, like, everybody out here is like, I'm the best style setter. My work speaks for itself, blah, 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 blah. Everyone says that. So if they call four people and they say their work speaks for themselves, does anyone's work speak for themselves? That right. means nothing right. to anyone at the end of the day. 
Um, so in, in discovery calls, there's a bunch of, like, don't know them offhand, but I won't dive into them super deep because that's someone yeah. else's bag. Yeah. Um, but there's calibrated questions that you ask to squeak out the information that you need without directly asking because people will just tell you every, they'll tell you their whole life story. If you shut your damn mouth and don't talk about yourself unless it's like relationship building, like, Oh, I live here. Oh yeah. I live across the street. That's funny. Right. Like that's a good little rapport builder, but you know, nobody wants to hear about you or your company because they believe you already. Um, So, you know, how, how can I, how, how are you hoping I can help you? Um, then you kind of get an idea of what they want and how long have you been waiting to do this? You know, we're, we're digging for um, pain points. What's making them want to do the project. We're digging for motive. That's mm-hmm. why they want to do pain the or work. pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Pain or pleasure points that drive the motive to why yeah. they want to do the project. And if you can, masterfully unlock those without just being like, why do you want this? Don't ever say why. Why is a dirty word because it's interrogative. Mm-hmm. Why do you want that tile? Because I like it. Fuck you. <laughs> my tile, my house. You know, yeah. like, well, well, what drew, what drew you towards this tile in particular? Mm. That's kind of a, then it opens them up and they talk about what they love about it. And if it's like, if you're trying to steer them away from a garbage product, like what drew you to this tile in particular? And they could tell you what they love about this tile. And then you can be like, okay, can I suggest an alternative? How about this one? It has all these same features that you love. And it's a much better product to work with. Instead of going in a battle, you know, you're not sitting across the table from your clients. You're sitting next to them. Mm. trying to guide them to solutions to their problems. You're not um, selling them anything. They have mm-hmm. a problem, whether it's a pain problem or a pleasure problem. They want to get rid of the pain or bring pleasure. Your job is to give them a solution or show them solutions to that, that you can provide. Even if you, at the end of the day, you don't end up doing it for whatever reason, you're still guiding them into the solutions. So we, if we stop thinking about this, and in, at the end of the day, it is sales. But if we move out of a sales mindset and into like a partnership mindset where you're a partner with your client and you're trying to find solutions for them, people feel heard, understood, and infinitely more likely to hire you, even if you're twice as expensive as the next guy because you understand their problems and you're helping them resolve their problems. I like that. That's, and you know, there's a series of calibrated questions that you can probably Google. If you read never split the difference by Chris Voss, which is such a fun book. Um, he goes through all of these in the book, the back of the book, there's like a primer that you can do to create your own calibrated question cheat sheet. Um, most, the coaching and if if yeah i don't know let's stop selling and start partnering with your clients to sell the big numbers that you deserve because nobody should be installing for four a square right you should be installing for 20 30 40 a square no matter what the product is we're looking at porcelain panels should be a thousand a sheet 
Right. Right. It's like forget square footage. At that point, we're at sheet price. You know, hundred bucks a square, hundred fifty a square. You know, I saw somebody the other day who was in a high cost area working in big, beautiful mansions, and do charges fifteen hundred bucks a panel. Right. For a right. four by eight tile. It's like that's a lot of freaking money if you're doing well, for four by eights. Yeah. Oh, that's it's a big money. tile. It's a big, challenging thing. But sure, sure. That's that's still a lot of money. Yeah, that's a hundred bucks a foot, more than a hundred bucks a foot. Yeah, that's and you know, we're, oh, I set this whole warehouse for four dollars a square. Did you make money? Like, I hope you were setting a hundred or three hundred squares in an hour. Yeah, I mean, square footage definitely comes into play. I mean, that's what people don't understand is like the smaller the floor, the the higher your square foot price is going to be, the smaller the bathroom or whatever. But the larger projects. And, you know, there are, that's why, you know, I don't really touch on commercial because I've never really, you know, went too far into that world, but I do understand from friends and from this podcast and from, you know, 20 years in the business that there are people who make their margins and make their profit on volume and they've got it figured out, you know what I mean? They've got it figured out. Um, but to just, you know, part like your, your example at, at the, towards the beginning where, it was a larger project and there was multiple things going on in the house. The larger that that dollar sign comes, especially the younger we are in businesses, the if you if you did like six figures your first year in total sales and total volume and then on your second or third year you get a six-figure job opportunity to bid on, you're you're crap you're kind of crap in your pants, but you're also like you've got money dollar signs in your eyes because you think, "Oh, a six-figure job, like one job. I did that that took me a whole year and this is going to be one job. And you start to forget the time commitment and the materials and the, and also the loss of work. You get on a project that big, you do lose some work. So these are all things that come with experience. But, um, I really like, you know, man, this has been a great conversation, Travis. I I really do. I like what you're saying here towards the end on, you know, develop that partnership mindset with your clients. You're, you're only there to, assist them achieve their dreams, uh, whether that's, you know, for pleasure or, you know, relieve a pain point that they've had in their life, maybe an old, an old nasty bathroom. And they're looking to you, they're calling you because, you know, they view you as the expert and um, take it from there and take it of, they are calling me to assist them in their life. I want to assist them and I know exactly what it's going to take and I want to help them and, there's the price, yada, 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 boom, boom, boom. I love it. It's, um, it's fairly simple. It's fairly straightforward. It sounds like a lot of work, but I think what Travis is saying is do whatever it takes to know your numbers, do whatever it takes to learn the sales process, do whatever it takes, hire a coach, mingle with like-minded people who are where you want to be, you know, do these things like Travis has been doing throughout this whole 45 minutes. He's been telling us exactly what he's done to take a company in two years, um, not only launch it, but turn it around from almost bankruptcy to profitability. And it's something to be proud of, man. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's worth investing the time. I know it's tradespeople. We get our egos. That's the biggest thing that gets in our way. I know what I'm doing. I know best. Blah, blah, blah. You don't. Nobody knows best. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. Right. Ever. Ch- 
change your mindset to one where you're always being willing to learn, whether it's about your business or your craft. Um, you know, we got guys that are still setting tile over drywall, um, tile and grout are waterproof. It's fine. And that's just being stuck with a closed mind. Um, mm-hmm. Just open it up for everything. Yeah. And if you take a learning mindset and willing to be coachable, even if you're not seeking coaching directly, People like me and a few other guys that I've seen around are just throwing stuff out in the group. Right. And just be open to it and hear it and understand it and put it in where you can. And it makes a difference piece at a time. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing with the internet and podcasting. <clears throat> There's levels to this, right? I mean, we can get free information so easily now. So if you're just starting out or you're, you're, you really don't have a lot of money, just get that free information, search it out, seek it out. That's what these groups are there. I like specialized groups because I can go in and I'm in groups for, you know, the vehicles I own, the tools I own, you know, podcast equipment. I'm in these specialist groups because it's like, I'm, I'm, I don't spend a lot of time in all the groups, but if I have a specific question for a specific group, it's like, that's where I'm going or a YouTube channel or whatever. It's incredible, man. So, and then once you work your way up, start making some money, invest in a coach. I mean, you will be surprised if you don't already know, dig into some of, you know, Elon Musk, dig into some of these very wealthy, very successful people. They still hire coaches to this day. So, um, we've touched on a lot of good stuff. I do want to be, um, respectful of your time, Travis. I know it's a work day over there and it's probably almost eight o'clock, nine o'clock over there. Yeah, it's work day. All right. Work day, Thursday. <laughs> you got it. That's what you got a partner for, right? Yeah. Right. And we never did touch on the partner, but it's, I think it's coming up on an hour here. So I don't want to, you know, that, that could be another hour discussion, but, um, <laughs> maybe for round two, if, if you'd like, I'm in. Right on, brother. Well, you guys have a good day out there, and uh, thanks again for being on the podcast, Travis. Thanks for having me, Liz. This is super fun. You're welcome, brother. Yeah, Have a great day, man. You too. All right, Tile friends. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, – I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Travis. Uh, what a great guy. I mean, full of – Full of life, you know, full of uh, inspiration, you know, for others. And I hope you were inspired by that uh, our podcast here. We've had just under an hour. I really like, you know, what he was saying. Be teachable. Don't You don't ever want to be the smartest guy in the room. If you think you're the smartest guy in the room, that might be your ego talking. You know, there's a lot of people, and if if you are the smartest person, look for a new room. You know, look for people in a new room full of people who are smarter than you that you can learn from. That's exactly the kind of conversations we're having over at the Tile Money University. I'm learning from some of the people in there. I, You know, I don't want to be the smartest guy. I'm going to share my knowledge. I'm going to share what I've learned. I'm going to share some uh, some soft skills and some hard skills, you know, Soft skills would be how to speak to people, you know, questions to ask, hard skills to know your numbers, you know, and and overall, we're having great mastermind accountability discussions, both in our private chat groups, as well as our weekly Zoom meetings. All right, Tile friends, that's it for this podcast. Today, if you enjoy this podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It helps with the ratings. It helps uh, us more people, more tilers get found. What we want is more tile contractors to find this podcast because the more that do and the more that know their numbers, the closer you're all going to be 
when you're estimating and when you're bidding against each other. If you guys are 10%, 15% off, customers will still buy often the more expensive because maybe you have a better you know, energy. Maybe you align better with the things they care about or they just like you. But when, when, when estimates are 100 or 200% off, like I've been seeing lately, and like I've experienced in my business, they start to wonder why. You know, the reason why a lot of times is because most people just don't understand their business. I've been there. It's not a shameful thing. It's just the sooner you acknowledge that you need help, the sooner you're going to get it. And if you don't need help, if you're very profitable, congratulations. We would love to interview you and highlight you on this podcast. All right, Tile friends, talk to you later. Tune in tomorrow for a hump day financial. If you look, listen to this on Tuesday, we've got content five days a week now on YouTube. Check it out.